Not afraid to tell it like it is. The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon till 3 on AM 900 CHML. Fascinating uh, study that has uh, come out. A new report uh, by the Brookfield Institute for Innovation and Education says more than 40% of the Canadian workforce is at high risk of being replaced by technology within the next couple of decades. To talk more about all of this, Craig Lamb is with us, author of the report with Brookfield Institute for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, and is with us now. Hello, Craig. How are you today? Great. How are you? Good. Thanks for taking the time to join us. Uh, Tell us what the Brookfield Institute for Innovation is. All right. So the Brookfield Institute uh, for Innovation and Entrepreneurship is a policy-focused institute uh, really dedicated to making Canada the best country in the world to be an entrepreneur and innovator. So we really believe that supporting the work of innovators and entrepreneurs across the country is integral to Canada's you know, future productivity, economic prosperity, as well as our overall social well-being. Um, so we do this in a number of ways, uh, including research and analysis, which the report is a part of, as well as policy and programming, as well as uh, research-driven advocacy and policy leadership. So those are kind of our three pillars for the Brookfield Institute. Uh, The report says more than 40% of Canadian workforce is at high risk of being replaced by technology within the last couple of decades. I'm a middle-aged guy, Craig. I bet you I read the same statement back in the 1970s. No? That is uh, true. So we we know that um, essentially technological... Technological changes and technological advances have been changing and altering the labor force for the last couple hundred years. Mm. I mean, start of the century, we were primarily an agricultural society. But interestingly enough, nowadays, we seem to be, from what we perceive as kind of at an inflection point, whereby you start to see new technologies like artificial intelligence, mobile robotics, machine learning, starting to enter realms of occupations that were once reserved for just humans. So these are the real cognitive-focused occupations, as opposed to prior to this, uh, the tasks that machines were typically uh, suited for were basically just manual routine routine tasks. So it's kind of a, it's a bit of a different time right now. So in other words, in the old days, it was about them replacing what we were doing. Now it's about replacing what we're thinking. Certain way, so I mean, artificial intelligence does have the capability to begin um, entering a whole slew of uh, realms that you know where we're, we'd never see uh, machines entering before. So it, it is interesting. So how does this how does this scenario or what we're experiencing now differ from the industrial revolution? I mean again now we're dealing with our artificial intelligence but couldn't that seem as just as big a leap back then, you know, as um modern technology would have been then as such as ma- machinery or or just even industry. That is a really good point and um I do think that this represents a whole new breed of technology that is able to put, um, it was able to perform the tasks of w- more jobs than, than ever before. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not this is, is fundamentally different from, uh, you know, the Industrial Revolution or the introduction of robotics into the manufacturing process, I can't necessarily really speak to, but I do think that this does represent a powerful, well, a lot of these technologies represent a powerful new tool that can fundamentally alter our existing labor force. Well, well... For, for me, it seems like a long time we felt that we were, as we move further and further into a knowledge-based economy, we feel that we were somehow insulating ourselves from 
technological advancements, but it seems to me that technology can begin to start entering the realms that we thought it was never going to enter before. Hmm. Will technology not create uh, as many of these jobs that could be lost? So this is a really good point, and this is a point that we definitely explored throughout our report. So essentially in the past, that has been kind of what has happened in terms of looking at the labor market, labor market economics. So when the jobs that aren't necessarily substituted for technology are typically complemented by technology, and this can lead to a whole slew of productivity-enhancing effects, which can actually increase demand for labor. Um, a, a good example of this, and one that is commonly used, is uh, looking at the the ATM. Um, so with the introduction of the ATM, people thought that the the bank teller's jobs were potentially at risk of mm-hmm. being automated. However, what actually happened is that it made it cheaper to operate bank branches so that this started to actually increase the demand for additional bank branches, which increased demand for bank tellers. Um, and this is uh, essentially an, an interesting thing that happened here, which... Wait a sec. Say that one more time, because I don't think... I, I don't know if I grasped all of that. So uh, use the bank teller uh, example again. Okay. So essentially, the ATM made it cheaper to operate bank branches throughout the... And this is a study from the United States. Right. Uh, made it cheaper to operate bank branches. Um, so this may essentially led the, the heads of banks to decide that they wanted to increase the number of number of branches. So then this actually made it so that the aggregate number of employees uh, in, in the bank telling profession wasn't necessarily impacted by the, uh, the, the introduction of the ATM. But what it did do was fundamentally change the job of the bank teller. So mm. yeah, you bring up a very valid point because there's still a bank on every corner. hundred yeah. percent. And when, so to my point, so in, in the, uh, long-term, are the 42% of the labor market at a high risk um, of being automated. But in the in the short term, um, what we found in our report is that a lot of the tasks that people in these jobs do can be replaced using existing technology. So this speaks to the point of the bank teller. So when they kind of shifted away from simple financial transactions and started moving into more specialized advice, right. for like financial advice and things mm. like that. So Makes sense. Uh, one thing that I'm confused about, it says the report, uh, the top five occupations in terms of number and people employed in them facing a high risk. So these yep. would be uh, at high risk of automation in the years to come. Yep. Uh, number one, retail salesperson. Number two, administrative assistant. Number three, food counter attendant. Four, cashier. Five, transport truck driver. No surprise there. No. But what I I do seem to be surprised at is the top five low-risk occupations by employment. Mm-hmm. Retail and wholesale trade managers, registered nurses, I can understand that. What I don't understand is elementary and kindergarten teachers. Uh, I can guess I can understand early childhood educators, but secondary school teachers. I mean, all we hear is that the market is absolutely flooded with teachers. Um, so I guess that's one occupation that wouldn't be uh, phased out through automation. But do you think that's a, a, an occupation that that has a future for the next, I guess, generation anyway? Because we seem to be flooded with them. That is a, that is definitely a an important point, and it's a good point to make. In that we this our projections don't take into account existing labor market scenarios that. Mm-hmm. You know, with the with the, the decline in the younger population and things like that, that are potentially impacting uh, 
teachers employment employment but what it this does speak to is that the the potential for automation in these occupations is low and right for us so the reason for this is essentially that we found that the the jobs that exhibit the least probability of being automated are the ones that not only require a lot of job specific skills but they also require a significant amount of human management and human interaction so that's where mm-hmm. the teachers and the element and the early childhood educators come into play because in the in the uh, even in 10 to 20 years it's not a really a distant future and i don't think people will necessarily want their children taught by robots no what well, we are human preference. we are seeing certainly more and more online learning but obviously there has to be the human contact as well but can we see the online learning becoming more of a component 100% and that's a, i think a, a really interesting point so that once again speaks to the the immediate threat in terms of, and not necessarily the threat, it could actually make the jobs better in terms of job task restructuring. So we could see technology replacing a lot of what people in jobs already do, but will it necessarily make their job obsolete? Not necessarily. It's funny, I remember reading a report in the 1980s, and they were talking about technology, and they said as a result of, you know, all of these efficiencies that there's going to be, that we'll all be working four-day weeks. Uh, how come we weren't smart enough then to realize that, well, if we can do the work of four days in, in five, or sorry, the work of five days in four, that employers won't just give us more work to do? Why, why didn't we see that coming? Back then it was, wow, you know, we're going to have so many things at our fingertips, but yet we seem to be working way harder now than we did, that, did back then. That is a, an interesting point, and I actually don't have the answer for that, because if I could figure out a way to... <laughs> Friday's off, it would be great. Exactly. So how do we make sure when we go through these transitions, which are ongoing, I mean, that's progress. Uh, You know, the wheel never stops moving. Uh, How do we we make it or, or how do we put policies in place so this doesn't get ahead of us, so we aren't playing catch up, so that we can see these trends and and, you know, direct our, our young people, education, training, et cetera, so we don't have these giant gaps and people unemployed due to technology? I think that's a really, really great question. And there are a whole number of, number of potential solutions to mitigate any of the uh, effects of automation and technological transfer and technological advancement. Um, what you hit kind of the nail on the head with education. So what we found in our report is that the jobs that exhibit the lowest lowest risk of being affected by automation require the highest degree of uh, university education, mm-hmm. um, and they are also consequently paid more. Um, so it's really important to ensure that people start upskilling and getting the skills necessary for the jobs of tomorrow. And what we also found is that a lot of the jobs seem to be in uh, the STEM fields of the science, technology, engineering, mathematics, as well as in uh, a lot of the low-risk jobs are in management as well. So it's going to be important to not only get the education, but get the right education. At the same time, um, I believe policymakers uh, can take a whole slew of concerted efforts to ensure that individuals that are already employed in high-risk occupations are provided the skills and training necessary to adjust to the, the the trends that could potentially happen in the future so that they can begin preparing for uh, any of this disruption that could happen as a result of technology and, you know, potentially even upskill and, you know, 
start operating some of these disruptive technologies, things like that. What will the, you know, how will the labor market adjust? Because in the end, um, really what I, I think we're all getting out of this is that you can't, you can't stay stagnant. You have to continually keep learning and keep growing throughout your career. You just can't, like the days of our grandparents, you know, go to one job and stay there 30 some odd years. I mean, you know, I guess the answer in all of this is the labor force or the, the worker, the employee, has to continually grow through through the process. And that is a good point. And I think another point in terms of looking at the education, and it's not necessarily just formal education, so I think it's going to be important to really stay on top of all of the, the technological changes that are happening all the time, so really upskilling constantly. So looking at things like digital literacy, coding, and just really ensuring that you know what the technologies that are going to be driving potential disruption are and that whether or not you, you're an expert in them, but at least you can have a working knowledge of them. So just look at like when the, when the computer first hit the office. Yep. It's important to be able to operate that and be able to work with the computer, and it actually just made, made people more efficient. So people that adjusted. Advice to young people who may be in school or just entering post-secondary or just coming out of post-secondary and, and, and going into uh, the job market. Any advice for young people after this study? That's a really good question and I think that was the, the benefit of this study is to really start getting people to think about the future and I think my advice would be yes, get an education but also start thinking about what the jobs of tomorrow are going to be, whether or not that be in the STEM fields, whether or not it be technology-driven, or even in, in jobs that are low-risk, such as, uh, I mean, nursing and things like that, and health professionals. So I think that's it's really going to be important to understand how the labor market is going to be shifting, and our study provides a, a useful tool to start thinking about that, and I think... So when you're getting, definitely get the education, but make sure it's the right education as well. Uh, this seemed to be a more gradual trend in the past, although we were talking about the Industrial Revolution and how that was very much a big change for those people at that time. Is this the most severe of this learning curve? It, it seems like we're almost going straight up. Is that just the way things are or uh, technology? Uh, it, it, does it, do we seem to be moving faster now or, or the, the, the rate of advancement faster now than it was in the past? It's, it's hard to say, and that's, that's one of the things with any forecasting exercise is the only certainty is that you're not going to hit the nail on the head. Yeah. But what it does seem to me is that, I mean, just looking at trends in software development and pretty much all, all technological advancement does seem to be happening at a much quicker rate than uh, in the past. So looking the fact that we can get all our news in an instant nowadays, so I think people are starting to have higher expectations on technology, and people are just able to develop things quicker. So I think it does seem to be a bit of an inflection point, and whether or not things are rapidly adopted. I know we, we're starting to develop technology at a much quicker rate, but whether or not they become rapidly adopted, that's going to be the next question. Hmm. Website we can go to, Craig, to find out what more you guys are up to? Yeah, you can uh, go to visit us at brookfieldinstitute.ca. Uh, you can check out all of the, the new and exciting things that the Institute's doing, and uh, you can read the report there. Craig Lamb has been with us, author of the report with the Brookfield Institute for Innovation and Entrepreneurship, saying that more than 40% of the Canadian workforce is at high risk of being replaced by technology in the next couple of decades. Craig, fascinating stuff. Thanks very much for the time. Much appreciated. Thank you for having me.